0: Hey Kelsey. Hey Brooke. Want to tell everyone what's happening in today's episode? In today's episode, we are going to, it's Christmas and Hanukkah. So we are going to talk about two women that everybody should know Sarah and Mary. Um, I want to say I know them, but I do not.
1: (laughs) Okay, there'll be a quiz later. Great. (laughs) Let's get into this. Hello, and welcome to Remedial Her Story, The Other 50%, the podcast that explores what happened to the women in history class. Now, here's your host, Kelsey Brooke Eckert, and her partner in
0: crime, Brooke Neva Sullivan. Episode 22, Sarah, Mary, and virginity. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) There'll be a quiz, like Uh I said.
1: All right. I'm l- I'm all ears. <laughs> Who are these bitches? <laughs> I don't know why you should th- use that
0: word to describe <laughs> the Virgin oh. Mary. <laughs> oh, all right. I am with you. So Hanukkah ended on Friday. Yes, shalom. <laughs> shalom. Um, and I thought that it might be a nice idea to sip some cocoa mm. and to talk about... These two matriarchs of two of the world's religions, Judaism and Christianity, and um, because I think that, well, first of all, around this time of year, people are talking about religion more, faith more, Um, and then in particular with Christianity, they're literally, like, acting out the birth of Christ. So, like, we might as well, you know, talk about...
1: Who's acting out the
0: birth of Christ? Pageants! What do you oh, know Christmas pageants are? <laughs> Sorry, I haven't been to church in a long time. We can not Forgot... tell. <laughs> Forgot that was a thing. Should I talk to your grandmother later, or... You could try. She's, she's pretty dead. <laughs> she's
1: pretty dead. Oh, that's sad. Sorry. Nah. Uh, but I don't know that she'd be all that depressed about not going to a Christmas service. Oh, Okay. She always hated the Christmas Easter because she thought the fake people showed up. <laughs> bunch of liars. A bunch of
0: liars. Okay, so let's start with Sarah. Do you are you do you know who Sarah is?
1: Well, I imagine that I don't know her, so I'm imagining that she's Jewish. She's Jewish.
0: Yes, but but a uh, any so so let's start. Let's start simply, the Torah. Jewish book, the Torah, yep. is also the first portion of the Old Testament in Christi- in the Bible. Okay, so, um, so the story of Sarah is something that Jews adopted, then Christians later adopted, then Muslims adopted. And so all these, the Torah are considered holy books in all three of these major world religions, oh. which is interesting. So Good to know. I think that Sarah and Mary's story are really important in talking about, re- well, religion is central to culture, and most social studies teachers around the country teach culture classes. Yeah. And I think that the women in those religious stories often get overlooked, and I think that they... Are, I think I will prove really quickly that they are central and the same themes that are evident in the male stories are also evident in the female stories and need to be taught in conjunction because they also outline women's roles in these cultures. We've also talked before about how religious history often gets left out of school because I think people are scared to teach it. I think people are scared to ask compelling or critical questions about people's religion. And, um, there, you know, I I appreciate that. Um, But I think there's a difference between looking at the historiography related to and diving into the sources related to beliefs that are fundamental to cultures around the world, there is a way to present information about religions in a passive way. And you give students the tools and the resources and you say, here is what people believed. Here is the evidence for that. These are the sources that talk about this. These sources are primary. These sources are not. We're trying to get our students to be good historians. And so um, asking them to, to look at even religious sources, which dominated pol- you know, political history and, and religious history, for centuries is important. And we've said before, and I'll say it again, religious history is women's history because in so many ways it prescribes their role. If you cut religious history out, you are cutting women out. And then the second thing I will say is people have zero hesitation in world history and world cultures classes at presenting the weirdest thing that world cultures believe. And yet, when it comes to Christianity in particular here in the United States, but maybe Judaism as well, I think people are less inclined to question it um, or to present information, uh, historical information about it, Because they don't want to offend anybody and yet they are very perfectly comfortable offending, you know, Muslims when they talk about, oh, well, in Islam, you know, they can marry multiple women or, um, you know, in Buddhism or Hinduism and it's it's not, that's not okay. And so, you know, if you're going to treat one religion one way in the classroom, then you need to do it to, to all of them. And, um, and so I do think that there is a place for, in, in all cases, uh, presenting the information as it is. And I can't speak for everywhere in the country, but I know that in New England, there is a distinct need. I mean, there is an assumption that kids know Christianity and they just don't. And so they don't pick up on biblical references that are embedded in literature. Um, and and I think we are doing them a disservice to not teach them these things. Um, so Sarah, so Abraham um, or Abram is... Um, Born in Ur, Mesopotamia. You love that word. I do. Okay. Let's say it again. Mesopotamia. He is the founder of monotheism. So he is considered the world's first monotheist. And monotheism is? One religion. Mono. One god. One oh, god. R- sorry, one god. What did I say? One religion? <laughs> I was like, wait, we have multiple religions. Yeah, this didn't work out. <laughs> no, one god. One god. So we okay. in one god versus paganism.
1: Okay. Well, so there's a couple of cultures that believe in multiple gods. Do they come after this?
0: So pagans are m- worldwide. Okay. And and then com- you're putting everyone
1: in that bucket. Most,
0: yeah, most religions at that time around the world think, like, Greek gods. That's, yeah, that's what I'm thinking, is, like, Greek gods. Roman <laughs> gods. Yeah. But even, like, there are other religions in the East that are are, poly, are polytheistic, so they have many yep. gods. And, um, and And Abraham is considered the world's first monotheist. And so in a world history class, you will hear his name. So he just was like, I only think there's one. I decided and I decided, well,
1: decided that
0: religious tradition says that God came to him and it took a long Ew, time sure. to convince him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to convince him that there was just one God okay so a part of this story though is he marries a woman named Sarah and um, keep in mind that there's sort of this theme that God is trying to get him to accept one that there is one, god but i'm it i'm it and that's it and you will worship me and me alone ages in the bible are really interesting and in the torah are interesting because abraham and sarah live to be very very old like (laughs) too old like what are we talking about like 150 so in the story sarah is barren and she does not so she doesn't have any children which from what i've learned from you Means they live a little longer. That, that, that is accurate. <laughs> that is accurate that they tend to live longer. Don't um, have
1: babies, you live a little longer. Yes,
0: in world history, that is true. And so, um, but she doesn't have children. And part of the story that's interesting, and I, is that because they don't have children he has children with another woman and that's like acceptable and okay what and i know and um and she's a i think a servant and um what? sarah uh is 90 years old and god gives her a child <laughs> At ninety, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the ages are funky, and I don't. I'm not sure. Oh, so I'll, I'm allowing it. God tells Sarah that she's going to have a child, and she does. And so she has. Oh, she gives birth to a child at ninety. At ninety years old. <laughs> I you said, God gave her a baby, like, no, no handed no. one over. No, no, no. She has to birth this baby, and at she 90. survived. Yes. <laughs> so at ninety years old, I don't even want to have a baby at forty. <laughs> So I think this is really interesting, though, because if you use your clearly Christian background, Mary has this, like, miraculous birth, and Sarah also does. This is the first healing that's recorded in the Bible, um, in the Torah, and it's this, like, miraculous birth to a woman who has been barren her entire life, and all of a sudden has... A child that God tells her is coming and it is a son which you know that's like important or whatever and so are they yeah cool cool (laughs) and his name is Isaac and then later stories go on to talk about how to prove his um devotion to this one God God has him take Isaac and um prepares so Abraham takes Isaac and prepares him to be sacrificed to God. And um, as he's about to, you know, kill Isaac, he has him, like, strapped down to a rock. And as he's about to kill him, God says, just, like, don't. This is, if you believe in me, you will not kill your children. And I guess this was something that went on in world history where people would kill their children. But it was also, I want to make sure that you would be willing to do that for me, this one God. It's quite the level of devotion you're it's asking quite the le- <laughs> It's a lot of devotion. Um, and... and- um, Keep in mind, this woman has been barren her entire life. Has wanted children, and you're about to sacrifice her only child.
1: While well, you're also a hundred. Yeah. What is he like, caning up to the podium? Like, I'm gonna kill you, Sonny. Yeah, it's like, this poor infant.
0: <laughs> but it's interesting because, like, that's Old Testament. You are gonna have a child when God wills you to have a child. You're Ugh. not gonna have a child before that. New Testament, not much changes there, except that she's young. Mary's a young woman. Yeah. And she is married to Joseph, and the angel comes to her and tells her that she's going to have a child, and she's like, what? Like, you know, this is a very different, like, it's a completely different scenario. But before we get into Mary, um... I want to back up a little bit because Sarah's story is is really central to understanding Abraham because okay. she is along this journey with him. She is the f- the second monotheist if he's the first. Yeah, and um, it is there like they create the lineage that is the Jewish people, and so in in the in the Torah. You know, it, it tells you, like, you know, Isaac begot so-and-so, who begot so-and-so, who begot so-and-so, and it te- begot meaning, like, gave birth to and okay, had, okay. had these children. That's the word they use in at least the King James Version. and um And so, you know, it tells you the story of the Jewish people. And the Old Testament or the Torah is really just this narrative. It's this historical narrative of... People, people, and and their their journey through the Middle East, through and being persecuted, and um and coming back, and 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 to you know eventually trying to come back to to Israel to the promised land. Yeah, and um, and I think that context, whether and even in a current events class, when you're talking about. Um, when you're talking about Israel, right, and trying to understand modern-day Israel, explaining that this is land that was promised to Abraham and his descendants, and that includes Sarah, that includes their child. The Bagats, right? <laughs> The Bagats, all the Bagats, right? Um, I think that's really important context. And Sarah's, Sarah's story, the first miracle recorded in the Old Testament, in the Torah, is really interesting and you don't have yeah. to buy into the miracle portion of it but that <laughs> yeah tells, i'm not there yet but um but it's a good place it, to start it is but it uh, helps you understand the belief system that like yeah. there is if one you witness god.
1: a miracle i can imagine you jump two feet in and yeah like, i can't there's no other way to ex- just explain what just happened yeah so if it's not god i don't know how to explain it
0: But I think even bigger, like, or even in in a more, like, practical historical sense, if you believe that there is, this is what belief in one God means. And that is what Abraham transforms in the world at that time. For lesson plan ideas and how to teach women's history, visit our website, www.remedialherstory.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Remedial Herstory. If you think what we're doing is needed, please consider joining our Patreon community. Patreon allows you to sponsor a podcast with a small donation. Patrons get access to bonus materials, extended episodes, insider information, and gear. Give at whatever level you can, Patrons who give at the $25 tier will receive a remedial history mug and a booklet of all the remedial history lesson plans and resources. This episode is sponsored by our patrons. Thank you to Kent and Jamie Heckel from Ohio, Sarah Reardon from New Hampshire, Leah Tanger from Connecticut, and Bridget Erlinson from Connecticut. You guys make this show possible.
1: Well, hello there. Do you wish your high school history course had more drinking, more swearing, and more ladies? Well, do we have the show for you. Her Story on the Rocks is a long-form podcast talking about good women, bad women, fictional women, and non-fictional women from all times and places. Basically, each week we pair two women who we research with a themed signature cocktail. You won't be sorry you listen to our latest episode. Available everywhere you listen to podcasts. Cheers. Cheers.
0: Let's back up and talk, first of all, about this idea of virgin births. Because that in and of itself is fascinating um,
1: aka ludicrous
0: <laughs> well so so virgin births throughout the greco-Roman world are actually super common and that's very <laughs> lost on religious people because they're look you know this is supposed to be the miracle of Jesus's birth. And the reality is, is that this is not the first person to I'm sorry, be what? Yeah. Did so, someone let's... just like slip and fall on sperm.
1: How are they? <laughs> so, give me. Is virgin? there a river that someone's sitting in with lots of sperm in it? Like how are these women who have never had sex
0: having babies? So, there's a couple different things here. First is. <laughs> Okay, really trying? Get it together.
1: No. It's not. This cannot be a thing.
0: I don't even know where to start with you now that you're <laughs> all over the place with your giggles. I'm just thinking of all the ways
1: sperm can land where it needs to to make this happen. <laughs> and I just...
0: <laughs> sure. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. So, first of all, virginity is a woman's most important asset. Oh, okay? it? Okay. In the time, Brooke, in the time, It's <laughs> okay. a
1: heartbeat in a brain. My
0: bad. <laughs> so, most important asset because it is what allows her to find a mate, right? Power. You know, yeah, it gives her that power. Um, Rosalind Miles, who's a women's historian, calls the this a fetish with virginity that that people in the early European world had. Um, this kind of obsession Ew. with it. This is supported in lots of works, not not religious works, okay. written by Roman people. Um, there are stories of girls who are raped and their dads like kill them to save their honor because they had been defiled in the rape. And so these are sort of like honor killings because their virginity had been taken Ugh. from them. Okay. So virginity is, it's essential. You need to protect it for these girls. And, um, and so, but, it, but, it, but that sh- shows you that virgins are sort of being put on a pedestal in this Roman world. Okay. I'm with you, I guess. It is, <laughs> if you want to create a woman who is holy yeah. and pure... She has to be a virgin. The idea that the mother Untouched. of Christ could have had sex kind of is like defiling the perfection of Christ.
1: Uh-uh. Okay.
0: I know. But let me back up. Because it is known that almost all the major players of the, Roman, the Greco-Roman world... Insisted that they were p- part of or come from a virgin birth. <laughs> so, so, Roman historians, the poet Virgil, say that Augustus's birth was not only prophesied, there was a guiding star involved in Augustus's oh birth story. God, a bunch of storks. And they trace <laughs> Augustus's. Um, lineage all the way back to the two founders of Rome, Romulus and Remus. And Romulus and Remus were born from a virgin priestess in the Roman mythology. Okay. (laughs) Your eyes are glazing. (laughs) I mean, what? Okay. So then... Um, Further back, Alexander the Great, who had conquered, had the largest empire in in world history uh, before Rome, um, his parents were... Uh, given notice from the gods, they believed in pagan gods, so they were. Um, he was no. They were notified that they were going to conceive a child. They were given messages from these divine beings in dreams, and um, the f- his father saw uh, in a dream saw his mother lying there with a s- with a serpent on her, and it was a sign to the father that he needed to stay away for some divine being was going to impregnate her. Then you also have to go back and remember that like in the Greco-Roman pagan traditions, it is very normal for a god like Zeus to come down and impregnate a mortal woman. Right? That happens over and over in the mythology stories. Yeah. And so this is the world that Jesus is being born into, where it is very, this is a normal way that you can establish your prestige by saying that your mom was pure and a virgin. So bizarre. And it's very interesting that all of these people have very similar stories where gods come to their parents and gods or god come to their parents and say you're about to give birth to this you know superhuman person be warned there's a star there's a virgin you know you're in for it this kid's gonna be hell yeah well (laughs) maybe not literally it's christ so it's you know maybe heaven maybe heaven you know come on brooke (laughs) get your act together (laughs) jesus is my son you also have to remember that, and I think it's interesting. We're sell we celebrate the holiday Christmas, which is supposed to be Jesus's birth. Is it? Um- And it's, there's, I don't think that people know the date of Jesus's birth, um, but what's interesting is that December 25th is the winter solstice. right? And this is a traditional pagan holiday. And in the early church in Rome, they're trying to convert pagans and, um, and, and it's interesting because this they're like, what if we put a holiday right on
1: their big holiday?
0: Yeah. And we'll get them what to come we, over because like, we'll have a better
1: party. Yeah. This is Jesus's birthday. And
0: yeah. And it's interesting because <laughs> this pagan holiday, these are some of the things that they celebrated in Rome. They had gift giving. Oh, yeah. There was candle lighting. They would sing. They decorated their houses and they had Christmas trees. Well, they didn't call them Christmas trees, but they put trees in their houses. So Christmas? So Christmas, <laughs> yeah.
1: A.K.A. Christmas. Right.
0: So it's what interesting. What they call <laughs> I don't think that's what they call it. <laughs> um, but it's interesting that they we have, so in this world that Jesus is about to be born into, God's impregnating mortal women, yep, yep, yep. normal. It's a normal thing. Uh, Everyone gets pregnant. Those women being virgins, totally acceptable. Bunch of reality. Um, Also, like all the major men of. This never have, period. have sex with women, no, they do have sex with, so they have lots <laughs> of sex with women, but um, but their mothers don't, and so and and so they are descendant from these pure, perfect women, right? Sure, sure, remember the virginity fetish, yeah. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, so you've got Alexander the Great, you've got a Caesar Augustus, and Caesar Augustus is the Caesar is emperor of Rome when Jesus is born. Um. OK, so that's interesting and that's important that like that's the context in
1: which he. Yeah, so now there's someone born of the same stature. Well, no, current... he
0: is a poor like they are. poor. His mother is a poor Jewish woman um, who is um, who is trying to find a place to a manger a a manger to to birth her child that she has been told by god is you know going to be this this the savior the messiah um in the jewish tradition okay and um so this is this is you know sort of an interesting point so then there's a couple issues because while there is probably this obsession with virginity um, we know because other books in the Bible tell us that Jesus had siblings. So the idea that Mary was a virgin doesn't fly. Doesn't, doesn't fly, play yeah. doesn't fly in, in, the, in the New Testament books written by the Gospels, right? So that, that doesn't actually play out. Okay, so the other issue here is that the earliest works related to Jesus' birth um, do not mention the virgin birth at all. And so you would think that, like... That's surprising. If this had happened, that would be the... Yeah, The The main point. It's later works that are written down, um, Matthew and Luke, that actually talk about the virgin birth. And the other ones don't mention that at all. Um, So that's kind of concerning. Um, Matthew tries to show that the birth of Jesus basically meets the Messiah. um, Prescription for the son of god for for the savior that's supposed to come. Okay. And in his attempt to do that, um so so in Jewish tradition they believe that the messiah will come and save the world and that this savior will be a descendant from David, who's a a, a figure in the old okay. testament. And um and so it's going to be in this davidic line. And so Matthew um basically goes through and traces Jesus's lineage back to oh. David. But then he undermines that messiah argument by saying that he's not actually the son of Joseph, he's the son of God. Right? And so it's sort of weird like why is he why is he doing that? Yeah, why go do the
1: research if you're going to disprove yourself?
0: <laughs> right. So what this author thinks is that the author of Matthew may have wanted to show that Jesus' birth also fulfilled another Old Testament prophecy. He quotes from the book of Isaiah, an Old Testament book. He says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Matthew 2:23. The Isaiah text is apparently not discussing any prophecy for a future Messiah. He seems to be talking of the actual child born at the time, but that is beside the point. More important is the fact that the original Hebrew text does not actually say virgin, so Matthew inserts that. This author explains the word in Isaiah 7.14 translated as virgin is Alma, which means young woman. Irrespective of her sexual history, the Hebrew word for virgin is betulah, um, wow. and and so he, so young woman does not necessarily mean, mean virgin. virgin, right? And so that's interesting. Like it, it this really could just be like a Jesus miss- will be born to a young woman around this yeah. this time. Um, but uh, we'll have some historical uh, implications. <laughs> yeah, I
1: feel like that would come back to bite you. Yep. Yep, turns out it was wrong,
0: guys. Rewrite them all. <laughs> so it's John and Mark, the Gospels of John and Mark, that don't even mention the virgin birth at all, and um, this is, I think, problematic because they are some of the earliest Christians, and it's unlikely that Christians would have thought that Jesus's family was unique in any way because he he, they talk in both of those about his brother James the just and so these people know that he has siblings and this the fact that he has siblings sort of undermines this idea that that Mary is perpetually a virgin right um and and that would be really surprising right I think it's interesting that the holiday of Christmas is obviously celebrating the birth of Christ, but the story that you see reenacted in the in churches mm-hmm. on Christmas Eve during these um pageants yeah is the story is a birth story,
1: yeah, it's a place of origin, but it's also <laughs> it's not the typical story of like mom's having a fourth baby, we well, guess we'll go to the hospital again. <laughs> right. Like, no, if it's... he really does have sisters and brothers, if he really does have all these things, and it just seems really inaccurate. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe the three wise men were his half-brothers.
0: <laughs> okay, now you're just adding this.
1: <laughs> I mean, if we're just going to make up our own stories, it sounds like we're just trying, grasping at straws. Well,
0: I do think that there, if you look at this from a historical sense, the fact that other... Leading men of the era have similar origin stories, similar origin stories. It kind of does look like there's this trying to pin it all together. Oh, and I didn't even mention that, you know, as they're trying to trace his lineage um, back to David, um, Matthew is trying to trace his lineage, and then Luke tries to trace the lineage as well, but he traces it. In a different way, they have, they, they give different names for Jesus's supposed grandfather and the differences go all the way back to David. And so you've got two gospels trying to trace Jesus's lineage to David and they're doing it in completely different ways, which kind of makes you question whether or not that lineage is... Historically accurate. Accurate. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that's
1: I imagine that there's a lot of historians that have studied
0: the Bible... For accuracy? Yeah. Is that a thing? Um, yes, because I mean the biggest issue is that like the Bible, there aren't a lot of other texts, other Roman texts that corroborate a lot of the stories. Now we do there there's not a lot of question that Jesus lived, per se, because his death is documented. Um so Well so, and it
1: sounds like there's enough witnesses that to- that knew of him to document his stories in some way shape or form. Yep. Yeah. Whether they're I mean accurate we'll never know. They're not they're not Jesus's account of the circumstances. Well the the,
0: the miracles I think is the part where where people question those things. Um but the I think when we are talking about it in school you don't have to accept any of those things as truth to say that that's what people believe right exactly and and i think that that's fine and that's great and you should teach That must be teach really
1: that. challenging as a teacher cuz you don't know faith-based backgrounds of all of your students no
0: you don't no. nor
1: nor should you i guess but i mean you're kind of questioning a lot of the documents
0: that yeah you come have into to play the documents. In their documents but it doesn't it doesn't I mean, if you are a person of faith, you don't have to... Like, just because I'm saying I think this text was mistranslated or... Doesn't mean you're saying the or whole Luke thing and, is mistranslated. Right, but also, like, people have, you know, like, if you are a student of the Bible or of the Torah, then you should be reading these things, and you should yeah. know that. And it doesn't mean that, you, like... But I think you do need to be aware that you have to pick the the book of the Bible that you're pursuing because they all tell different versions of, of this birth. Story. Yeah. So, um, and I and that's okay. You can choose the books that you prescribe to. Yeah, so
1: tell me about when you bring this up in a classroom.
0: Well, okay, so I think what's important about this, the birth of Christ is... First of all, the fact that that Christians put it on the winter solstice shows how complex early Christianity was Mm -hmm. because they are trying to pull in these pagans. But then I also think that whenever you're talking about religion, you should be doing it in the context of culture and what culture does that create. And... um, Rosalind Miles, who wrote The Women's History of the World, spends a little bit of time on page 98 talking about the virginity virginity fetish that is, like, everywhere in the Roman Empire at this time. And she talks about, and I think she's a little intense about how much she feels like women were basically hate, like misogyny was real in this time. And I mean, the fact that a father would kill his daughter because she was raped, you know, like that is just a lot to fathom.
1: Yeah, but that's still happening today.
0: So she says, yet Christ was born of a woman. The solution to this embarrassment was found only after a protracted doctrinal councils when the gruesome hilarity of debating how the divine seed could penetrate the virgin's hymen or how Christ could have emerged from her uterus without rupturing the said hymen, which was the definition of virginity, right? Not having this thing punctured. Um, with this sacred infant feet appears to have gone unnoticed. But one thing was clear. The Christian fathers had to protect Mary's purity in order to protect his. The Blessed Virgin Mary, it was decreed, remained a virgin not only before the birth of Christ but afterwards as well. She was unravaged by the bloody mess and pain of childbirth. She was hermetically sealed off from any contact with her filthy and disgusting innards. Nor was th- this merely a Christian perversion. The compulsive drive of the patriarch not simply to occupy and possess a pure, unspotted vagina, but also to emerge from one may be demonstrated from the fact that in addition to Jesus, Buddha, Plato, and many other people claimed to be virgin-born. And I think that that's just so fascinating. And it goes so, to show, like, how deep this sort of fear of female sexuality really was in this time. So children born of C-sections, technically. (laughs) Clean and pure. (laughs) So, but I do think that there is something worth looking into with students about the implications for womankind about Mary's virginity. Because what the church has essentially done by putting Mary on this pedestal, right? They've said she has had a baby. The baby is not the her her husband's child but rather the child of God and before and after this birth she may you know stays a virgin that is not something that women especially deeply religious women who would who would know Mary's story and be inspired by Mary's story they could never attain that and so what is that taught what does the church said about womanhood by by making this this story of the Virgin Mary, as always, I would flip it back to your students. I would ask them to investigate the sources, look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, look at you know what uh, scholars say about mary 's virginity, and um, look at the historical record and the context that all of these other people. Um, uh, claim to have virgin births and if those let the students decide what is persuasive there and then and then ask the more important question because, you know, you can believe something because this is a miracle, you know, none, you know in a, in a biblical sense, this is a miracle. So fine, believe that there is a miracle here that she has performed, you know, that God has enabled her to perform this, this task that he has set in front of her. And then ask yourself, why is that important? Well, it's important for a number of reasons because all of those things that they have connected Jesus to, the star, the virginity, all of that is helping to establish the legitimacy of Jesus as King, right? Um, As the son of David. And then the other thing is is, it is performing yet another miracle related to birth. Um, and remember that it is Sarah, it is the Sarah who God bestows the first miracle on. and it's, a, it's also a miracle of birth. But in a lot of ways, this Mary story tries to one-up that Sarah story because Sarah still gives birth to her own child. God just enables her to do that, right? Um, it's her child with Abraham, Mary. She's not giving birth to her own child. She's giving birth to God's child. And this is a totally different story. So why is that important? And have your students ask that. Why does that matter? Why does it need to be this bigger, better story? Now, there were certainly contemporaries and hostile Jewish and pagan people that were trying to resist, you know, the, the growing Christian population, um, who, of course, rumored that Jesus was conceived out of wedlock and that his father was a panthera or a Roman soldier. Um, and this sometimes appears among feminist interpretations of the Gospels, but leading scholars think that that's probably not accurate. So I think it's interesting that you see this virgin birth narrative throughout world history. And I yeah. do think that for our students who many of them celebrate Christmas, I think that that or at least know of the story of Christmas to hear that miracle being repeated throughout world history, yeah, is just I think an interesting and important thing for our kids yeah, to it's understand. It's first time I'm
1: hearing of it and it's just interesting how You know that now, but also the lens in which you view documents that you've known your entire life.
0: Yeah. I'm Brooke Sullivan. I'm Kelsey Eckert. Thanks, Kelsey.
1: (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to Remedial Her Story, the other 50%. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts to bring more voices to the conversation. We really appreciate that effort. Until next time.